You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Stadium and Gale. This is not Uncle Silk. This is Dan. And Delatory. Man, oh man, we've got a uh, an internet outage in Royal Palm Beach. So Silk will hopefully mm. be joining us a little bit later today. But the show must go on. Uh, Nick, we got a big show. We're bringing on uh, former, or uh, pardon me, current Florida Gators running back Lorenzo Lingard, former Miami Hurricane. Uh, excited to have him on. But Nick, before we do that, as usual, how was your weekend, my friend? Baseball seemed a little bit more enjoyable this weekend. Baseball uh, was more enjoyable this weekend. Uh, minus, my goodness, our first, we'd gotten lucky. Uh, we'd gotten lucky with rain. Um, and I'm almost tempted not to even talk about it, but we have to talk about Saturday. Um, had gotten lucky with rain. Hadn't had many rain delays. Had a couple of rain outs, but like, mm-hmm. if you're not at the park suffering through it, it's fine. Um, Saturday, game gets delayed 56 minutes, and then in the fourth inning of a seven to nothing game, mm. uh, a two hour eight minute rain delay. How long do they have to play before it counts? Six innings, seven innings? You got to finish five. Finish five. Okay. So there's some people there that are like, hey, why don't we just like call it and show up tomorrow? I go, because Kevin O'Sullivan's not giving up seven runs. <laughs> like they call it right now. <laughs> you start right. tomorrow and you play two seven inning games on Sunday and none of those seven runs you scored count. Right. I was like, so they will start the game. You can't start. You can't. I don't think they could have restarted after midnight. But if they could have restarted at 11.59, Kevin O'Sullivan would have restarted that game at 11.59. So uh, two-hour, eight-minute rain delay. I think I got to the park at five, and the game ended The game ended at like 12.15. And the next game started at noon the next day. Mm. Uh, Sunday did not go well uh, for the losers on Sunday. Um, but they get the series two to one. And uh, the Gators, I think, are at uh, eight wins. They need to get five more wins in their next nine games um, to get to 13 wins, which is, I think, where they need to be uh, to make the NCAA tournament. Interesting, interesting. So what what worked out for the Gators? Obviously, Kentucky's not nearly as good as some of the other teams that they've been Mm -hmm. uh, playing recently. But what worked well for the Gators this weekend? Yeah, I think, uh, first off, you got great pitching from Brandon Sprout. he finally gets a win. He's he's pitched really well, probably in his last three starts, um, but just for one reason or another, hadn't gotten the win or even had gotten a loss. Um, he pitched really well. Uh, Brandon Neely, who's the freshman, pitched really well on Saturday. This kid, um, I think they ended up giving him the win. I don't know how that works because he, he, he was pitching when the rain started. So he'd only pitched, uh, what is that, like four – he only pitched four innings, um, but they gave him the win. So it's mm. his first win as a starter. Um, he hadn't given up a hit in the first four innings. Had struck out a bunch of guys. Rain comes, and and uh, as you protect arms, you know you're not going to let him come back into the game after 
pitching four innings and then you wait two hours through a rain delay, you, you know, the quick way to get hurt is to, hey, go warm up and, and get back out there. Uh, uh, so, Nick, did they play a full game on Saturday? I'm sorry. I don't know if you yeah. mentioned that. Okay. Yeah, Dan, play a full yeah, yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I that's that's what I thought. I just wanted to confirm because I was just looking up the winning and losing pitchers baseball rule, NCAA mm -hmm. rule ten twenty five. I'm sure you knew that. Um, but no, that was interesting. Um, for all games of eight or more innings, the pitcher must pitch at least five complete innings to receive credit as a winning pitcher. For games fewer yeah. than eight innings, the pitcher only needs to pitch four. So yeah, yeah. So I don't know why. He, <coughs> excuse me. Why or how he was credited with the win? Now in baseball. It happens a lot earlier on in the year. You can tell the umpire before the game, hey, he's on a pitch count. Hmm. And the starting pitcher can pitch like, hey, he's only going to throw 30, 38 pitches today, 40 pitches today. Um, and he reached 40 pitches in the third, and the team's up 5 nothing. They win 5-1. to one. Um, And that the starting pitcher, even though he hadn't pitched five innings, could get the win. So I, that wasn't the case with Brandon Neely. He was going to keep pitching. He had a no-hitter going through four. Um, if it doesn't rain, he's coming right back out there. So I don't know, but he was listed as the pitcher of record. Um, I, I just didn't understand why, but good for him. Yeah. Trying to read through this a little bit more. Um, yeah. Can't really, can't really see much, uh, well, about, I, I about mean, weather. So yeah, there's, there's nothing about weather. It's, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be a, you know, tough luck. Hmm. Well, the Gators are back on a winning series. Um, what does the uh, schedule look like coming up? Ah, the USF Bulls on Tuesday night. And that's in USF Gainesville. In Gainesville. And huh? uh, USF hasn't been in Gainesville, I think, since winning the Gainesville Regional. Yeah, since your tweets. You get an extra security yeah. for the weekend or for the uh, for the night. Yeah, uh, I actually won't be there. We've, we have a, I have something to, something else to do have an event. Um, so won't be in game. Won't be at the, I will be in games, but won't be at the stadium. Um, so sorry, USF fans, someone else will be covering. Um, haven't looked at your team this year at all. I'm sure. They're a great bunch of guys. Really, pretty, good, pretty good at baseball. <laughs> and then what, what comes up and what's it, what's the series this weekend? And then Florida's at Missouri. So the toughest part about the weekend is getting to Missouri. Mm. Um, Missouri, not a good baseball team. It's 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 tough to win on the road, but the position Florida has put themselves in, um, like a sweep against – a sweep would have been great, would have really helped you. Um, you go into this road series against Missouri, and you need to win uh, this series against Missouri. Um, you have to get at least two wins, um, which will leave you needing three the rest of the way. But Missouri, I think, is in last place in the SEC – um, in either conference or either division, excuse me, last place. Um, so you've, you've got to get a win this week. Uh, or excuse me, not Missouri. They're at Mississippi State. I, I jumped ahead a week. Okay. Jumped ahead a week. They're at Mississippi State this week. Um, and Mississippi State is the defending national champion, but lost a bunch of players. They're, they're not having a great season. Um, this still is the defending theory. national champions. Still, until someone else wins it, they're they're the defending national champions. Mm -hmm. um, let me pull, pull up the record right now. So, um, it, it's tough to win on the road. I think this is the series where you need to get one. Like you can't get swept here. If you get swept here, then you need to sweep sweep um, the next two series. Overall, right now, Mississippi is Mississippi State is twenty five and twenty. 
nine and 12, and they're coming off of um, two losses to Missouri. Okay. They went to Missouri. They won on Friday night, and they lost on Saturday and lost on Sunday. They had just beaten um, Ole Miss, which was a, a great series win for them because Ole Miss can really hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you don't get swept this week. If you can win the series, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, if you get swept, you're you're in a lot of pain, a lot of trouble. Um, the games this week also will be on SEC Network, regular TV, and ESPNU, Whoa. regular TV. Friday and Saturday, Sunday is a streamer. I will be sure to try to watch Saturday, Sunday, and Friday. My Tampa Bay Lightning are in the first round of the playoffs, so I'll be watching those games. But I'll be at the Sunday game, actually, so so look for me. Let's hang out. Um, But, Nick, we got Lorenzo waiting in the green room, ready to get started. So before we do that, let's give a shout-out to the title sponsor of Stadium and Gale. Alan Horn with Alan Horn Insurance. Alan is a state farm agent in Jasper, Georgia, that specializes in auto, home, renters, life, business insurance, and retirement planning in Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and Tennessee. Check them out, Alan Horn, H O R N E insurance.com, or give them a call at 706 692 2888, or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at SF Agent Alan H. And be sure to give him a call or reach out. Without further ado, thanks to our good friends over at the Gator Collective, we have the honor and privilege of speaking to Florida Gators running back Lorenzo Lingard, who looks like he's putting together a fishing pole. He just got back from the, just got back from the honey hole. That's what he did. Uh, I'm trying to find it. Yeah. <laughs> Lorenzo, you've been in Gainesville long enough. Someone's got to put you on some game by now. You you've got to have a spot. And, uh, and guess what? The only area is Lake Alice, and mm. you can't fish there. But no, you know when they say no fishing, that's where the fish is at. So <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why there's so much fishing, right? Or so much fish, fish right? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, Lorenzo, thanks so much for, for coming on Stadium and Gal. I know the, uh, the fans will be excited to hear you. Um, you know, I know a lot of people know your story. Um, you, know, you were uh, – a five-star running back coming out of high school, uh, end up at the University of Miami and then transfer to the University of Florida. But just kind of want to hear, hear your story and your words of, you know, what it was like being recruited and, you know, committing to Miami and then ultimately getting recruited again and ending up at the uh, the University of Florida. All right. So the whole process with uh, going to Miami was I knew Coach Rick from uh, eighth grade, uh, eighth grade camp I went to. So from there, it was a great mesh and, you know, he went to Miami, so then, so basically, I felt like it was, uh, it was like a connection there. So from that point on, I decided to, to commit to Miami, even though I was favoring Ohio, but but Ohio State was kind of far from home. So my mm-hmm. dad was like, "Nah, just stay in state." So I went to Miami. Um, I killed the off-season workouts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Everything was going my way. Had a freak injury, and then. From there, things th- things got kind of shaky. Um, Coach Rick got fired during that season. And then we had Diaz, and upon my um my rehab, I was coming back. I was about ninety five percent back, and I wasn't seeing the field there. And then things things didn't look so good amongst the amongst the energy there. So I decided to come back home with the um with the hardship waiver because my dad's kidney disease. Mm-hmm. So I ended up being here, uh, Florida, 
which was the best move. So, so yeah. Lorenzo, I want to ask you about that that freak injury because mm-hmm. uh, had you de- had you dealt with an injury before in your in your life or in your career at all, or no? Nope. Was this your first major injury? So, what yeah. was that like? You know, obviously the the physical strain of uh, of rehab and everything else, but but mentally, mentally. talk to us a little bit about uh, kind of where your mentals were. You're you're in a, a new city, um, playing a new game. Um, you know, with a new, you know, team, what, what, what's going on in your head during those, those couple months of rehab and, and everything else? Well, from the most point, uh, I had a great, uh, um, a great team with me, you know, my family and, uh, a great physical therapist, Jeff Ruiz. I mean, he was like, it became personal with him because, you know, he wasn't there just for a paycheck. So, I mean, the work with him was from sun up, sun down. He was, he was texting me making sure that I was, you know, like, you know, okay. Then I had uh, family and friends texting me, making sure I was okay. But it was definitely a dark moment, I would say, two months out. But from there, I would say Jeff, uh, seeing the progress that, that me and Jeff had made every week just kept me motivated. A lot of times I, I think guys feel like ostracized almost because you're not out at practice, you're not doing the same things. Um and especially in your case, you had never had something that had prevented you from, you know, being athletic or, or going and playing a sport. But you're saying, you know, you kind of just focused in on what you could control and it never got like you didn't feel like you weren't part of the team because you weren't be able to go through practice or stuff like that. Uh, yeah. At one point, I mean, yeah, like uh, during the during the stadium run, I was I was in the back of the line. I'm like, man, this sucks to be in the back of the line. And then a couple months after that, we had team run and. There was like, oh, you don't have to do the team run, at um at a uh, at Tropical Park in Miami, but man, I did I did all 15 110s, man. I just I ran with the team, yeah. So I mean, yeah, but like definitely at that point, I was feeling like, okay, I'm not a part of the team, but you know, through my hard work, they seeing that you know that that I was physically and mentally there. That's awesome, Lorenzo. So. Um, you decide to, to transfer to University of Florida, and I know some of that had to do with your dad's health and being close by. But but what was it about Dan Mullen and um, you know, Knox and the, the rest of the the UF coaching staff at the time that ultimately convinced you that, that Florida is a place to be to, to continue your career? Um, so the phone call was like uh, basically, you know, you're gonna have to come here, put in work, and me knowing that that Florida is is the school in Florida, and that it wasn't gonna be uh, wasn't gonna be easy. So I'm like, man, coming off this injury, if I want to be the player that I want to be, then I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to put in hard work, and whatever happens, happens. So, you know, and I definitely think I'm a way better player than I would have been if I would have stayed at um, at Miami. So, so Lorenzo, you you come in to University of Florida. Yeah, you, you have to sit out a year. Um Highly recruited guy, um, you know, out of high school, come to Florida with a lot of fanfare. Um, and then when you when you come to UF, the, you know, Florida has a pretty heavy stable of running backs. And, um, you know, you're, you're kind of sitting at the back of the line, uh, you know, as, as Florida works through that. Um, then you ultimately get an opportunity this past year, um, and they relied very heavily on a running back rotation. So, you know, for, for you, a guy that's used to toting the rock, you know, what, what's, what was that experience like trying to, trying to battle through that? And then, you know, certainly some, some probably some questions, at least in fans' minds about, you know, the running back rotation, everything else from last year. So last year, I mean, it was tough. So basically, I took my role as playing special teams, and mm-hmm. and I and I accepted that role. 
And to be honest, I liked it because it, uh, it was something new. And a lot of guys get to the NFL, and sometimes, you know, they're not the guy. So they got to play special teams. And and I'm actually thankful to be put in that, um, in that position to learn different uh, positions and whatnot, like like kickoff and then and then being a left center, right center on return and, you know, things like that. So actually it made me a better player versus mm-hmm. just running kickoffs and uh, kickoff returns and stuff like that. But then the stable we had here, I mean – uh, it wasn't it wasn't that bad because every day I was learning from Malik. I was learning from Naquan. I was learning from Damien. So, you know, every day, you know, I'm watching those guys, seeing how they're how they're playing and, you know, and what they're doing to make them better. And then basically I'm learning from them. That's awesome. So this is I was, I was watching uh, watching the draft and I see Malik um, signs with Dallas. And I'm thinking I go and I look at their roster. And I'm like, man, they've got. Four running backs under 26 years old. One of them is getting like 20 million dollars a year. I was like, you you better be ready to oh, play yeah. special teams. Whatever they ready. ask you on special teams, you better because that that's that's it's kind of like you said. Like a lot of guys that get drafted or, or signed um, UDFA, you've been the man on your team and, and you haven't had to run back. Uh, hey, be on punt or hey, you're on the hands team or hey, you're left out, you're left center. Um, that's how you make team. That's how you make the 53. Um, in, in the NFL is being able to play special teams and right. being able to fill in multiple roster spots for them. Yeah, Malika definitely, like, you know, I see him playing there. You know, he's a great player. He's he's very smart and very strong, too. Like, like people don't think he's that strong, but he's strong. <laughs> uh, Lorenzo, you know, I want to talk about, you know, this this team and, and this offseason. And, and obviously you guys have a coaching change you know, Billy Napier comes to Florida. You ultimately get a new uh, running back coach in Jabbar Jaluk. What are what are some of the differences um, in coaching? You know, between Greg Knox and Jabbar, and you know, certainly learning from from Billy Napier compared to Stan Mullen. Um. So, so the old staff, it was kind of like a robot system. Like, okay, mm. do this, do that. You know, do it this way, or you know, just basically, it is. It made it seem like we had to be this. Almost like a puppet, but um, Coach Napier's crew they they let us be ourselves, hmm. you know. Um, and my whole deal with uh with college was I was too fast, I was I was this, I was that, but but Coach Lucas like, no, you're too slow right now, speed up. And I was like, what? He's like, he's like, hit the hole. I'm, and, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. So yeah, it feels all natural to me now. That's awesome, Lorenzo. Yeah. Would you would you say you're the fastest guy <laughs> on the team right now? That's, slow down. Oh. Wait, next coach, next coaching staff comes in like, hey, fastest man. Get up, Hoss. Uh, not right now. I'm probably like top five, but I would say number one would probably be uh, Bowman up there. I ain't gonna okay. lie, Bowman's up there. Um, Weston's up there. Who else? Um, Shorter's up there. Jeans mm. up there. A lot of DBs, Trevez, oh, Trevez Johnson. We got Mordecai McDaniels is probably number one, I would say. That's one that would surprise fans. Now, let me tell you, this, this is before your time, but Gator fans will remember this. Dan was probably in school at Florida at the time. The way you win fans over is you guys just go out behind the dorms and, and you you do a foot race out in the back streets. Who was that? It was Chris, it was Chris, Chris Rainey. Rainey. Yeah, Jeff Dumps. Was, yeah. I think Deontay so, Thompson was there, too. Jeff Demps was winning national championships uh, with the track team, and Chris Rainey told him, "Yo, I'm faster than you." So they went out, went out behind their dorm, and a bunch of the guys just ran a race. And we don't know the official 
the official winning the winner and loser of that. Um, did Chris tell you guys he was on the pod, Dan? Um, I think Chris would would tell you that he would beat Michael Johnson. He would beat Usain Bolt. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can trust Chris. Uh-huh. <laughs> but but that uh, that story quickly became a fan favorite. Um, and those football teams were winning too, man. So that was a they were oh, a competitive yeah. bunch. Yeah, I like to watch their highlights. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Chris, Chris Rainey, Chris Rainey beat my high school team my sophomore, junior, and senior year in the state championship. So I don't like watching Chris Rainey's highlights anymore. Wow. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry, Lorenzo. Nick those. was not playing. Nick was not playing in those uh, games. He was a baseball um, player. Yeah. Um, so, Lorenzo, I, you know, a lot of excitement. You know, I know fans are, are super excited to, to start to hear your name a lot more in that, that starting crew. Um, obviously, you had a, a good orange and blue debut. Um, Gators add Montreal Johnson from Louisiana. Um, Demarcus Bowman is there. Um, you know, Naquan Wright is is. Um, you know, going to be coming back from, from injury. Um, I, I think this is one of the, the groups that, that fans are most um, excited about, not only speed, but um, just, I guess, potential and opportunity uh, from this group. What, what can fans kind of expect out of, out of you this season and about your, uh, your running back crew? Uh, to me, you know, they're going to get a lot of energy, a lot of effort. They're going to get some physicality out of me. And then I guess you could say they're going to see me encouraging my teammates. And as a stable and as a uh, and as a, a unit, we're gonna do great things. You know, Bowman Bowman's fast, very shifty. Naquan the same, and then we got Montreal. You know, so basically, all the running backs gonna do great things as a unit. How much, if any, research did you do uh, about Billy Napier? Because I mean, one of the first things I did when when his name popped up as a journalist, I'm looking, and I'm like, dang, they have four guys carry the ball a hundred times last year. Exactly. You look at that and you think like, hey, it doesn't matter if we got five in the room, like everyone's going to eat this year. Exactly. So basically, so so our coach, he caught up a couple, a couple of his guys and, and asked them if their system works and if they not had them, would they be where they're at today? And those guys were up and down and basically put their life on it that if, that, that if Coach Napier and his staff wasn't there, that they wouldn't be nearly as focused and productive as they were to be where they are in life right now. Which Have you is seen that, that yourself? Uh, oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Lorenzo, I think a lot of fans are, are still curious what the, the offense that Billy Napier is going to run, and obviously there's there's still a season ahead for us to kind of look into that. But, you know, obviously you had Dan Mullen, you were there with with Kyle Trask and Felipe Franks, you were then there with, with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, and now – um, it's Anthony Richardson's, uh, you know, opportunity to lead the team. Um, but what what kind of offense can can Gator fans expect under Billy Napier? They can see a lot of, um, like basically everything. It depends mm-hmm. on what's open. You know, if the run game is there, it's there. You know, then if that's not there, then the passing game. But you know, it kind of it kind of corresponds with each other. So the pass is going to be there if the run is there. So. Or the or like the run game going to be there, and that opens mm-hmm. up the pass game. So you know it's going to be a little bit of everything. Um, Lorenzo, I guess my, my final question for you is is obviously you had the opportunity to um, to be there under Kyle Trask and 
Um, then, you know, last year, Florida moves to, you know, a little bit more RPO and a, and a and two quarterback system where the quarterback is, is running a little bit more. Um, what's it like, you know, as a running back being a part of an offense where, you know, the quarterback is, is maybe a little bit less mobile compared to one where uh, quarterbacks are, are choosing to run a, a bit more. What's that like as a running back? And um, I guess, how does that make you feel too, as a running back as well? So, you know, his, as me, like as a running back, it's whatever would help the team win. Mm. So uh, if the quarterback got to pull the ball a thousand times because it's there and we're going to win, okay, do it. You know, but he might mess up here and there and, like, make the wrong read and pull the ball. But AR-15, he's going to get 10 yards of carry. You feel me? So, <laughs> you know, either way, whatever helps the team is what we're going to do. And, you know, I can't, you know, I can't be mad about that. I love it. Nick, how, any- how, has your – has your perspective on that changed maybe as you've gotten older, as you've been in college? Because, I mean, uh, it, it seems to me like a mature perspective. It's like, hey, listen, I'm not going to get looked at by the NFL if I'm not getting carries. And, and it seems to me like you're just kind of like, listen, whatever's going to help the team. If that means I'm carrying the ball five times a game, but I'm playing special teams and making an impact and we're winning, then I'm cool with that. I just want, want to know when you kind of grew into that mindset. Because to me, it seems you know a pretty, a pretty mature mindset to have. I'll say when I first got here, you know, seeing how, how important special teams was and seeing how different players took it serious, I'm like, okay. And basically coming here, it was either me and this other player to uh, to get the left um, left guard or left center position on kickoff return. I'm like, man, if I mess up on this route, coach going to take me out. You know, I'm not going to be in there. So, like, it was it was that important to me to stay on the field on, on, on kickoff and kick return. So, basically – whatever helps the team win and whatever helps me stay engaged in the game and keep my love for the game, I'll do it. What was, um, when Billy came in, obviously you're, you're an older guy. Um, you have to kind of get the older guys to buy in. What was, what was his message to you guys right away? Um, to, to get you guys to buy in. Cause I mean, there's, especially with the transfer portal now, guys can just leave, you know, (laughs) this isn't the coach I signed up with. This isn't the coach I committed to. Um, I'm going to bounce. Um, it seems like there haven't been many transfers and, um, and guys that ha- guys did buy in. What was his message to you to get you guys to stay and, and, and to, to buy into his system? I would say the, the, um, he told us to trust it, you know, and his demeanor when he told us his staff that came along, they weren't boastful. They didn't have no, no kind of cockiness to them. Like they were yeah. all, sincere. they were all like, they were all one as a unit, and even the coaches that that uh, that came from different schools with him, they seemed to be to be almost acting like they were with him from the start. And then, basically, the the direct changes he made, nutrition, he's able to get guys and and better housing, and the amount of um bull gators who supported him of whatnot. You know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's gonna do his do the right thing, and then. From and then from day one of spring practice, the messages he had around us, the messages he had after practice, just saying, and one that stood out to me was after practice, he said, "Keep negative people around you, or not not around you, but keep negative people away from you." I don't like negative people, and when he said that, I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I can trust him because he doesn't like negative people. He don't like bad energy around him, and you know, some coaches can be negative themselves, but." Well, uh, but with that staff, you don't see it at all. That's awesome. 
take if you can real quick take me inside the ipf during phase two um ar told us um in spring practice he said man i'm glad that i was coming back from that knee injury watching them boys run and do all that stuff because i'm glad i couldn't do all of it take me inside but you're a workout you're a workout guy you like you like lifting you like getting your plyos in um but but take me into take me into the ipf what was phase two identity like so for the most part, no water. Like we don't get water yeah. until half time. So, <laughs> so kind of like coming from having water like every other rep or whatnot, and then having no water at all is just it kind of it kind of makes you focus on getting the job done rather than oh okay I'm tired let me get some sip or oh mm-hmm. okay next rep I'll get water like no like you gotta you got a task in front of you and you gotta do it. But running those those uh, those striders and one tens. For for ten reps without no water, man, it's it's tough. <laughs> it's tough, but like you know, they they encourage us and mold us to to keep fighting, to keep pushing. Nick, how many how many one tens do you think you could run without water? One. I'm gonna go with two. Oh, okay, I, 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 can, I, can, I can I can really I can I think I can really push myself and and get through the halfway through my third. Okay. Before quitting. Yeah, so about 400 total yards maybe. I'm taking, I've almost finished my water bottle just talking on, for, <laughs> for 28 minutes on the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Nick, sorry. So that, that's, question. that's interesting though because it, it's like, listen, every football team is going to run striders. You're going to run 110s. You're going to run gassers. Um, but it seems like they're trying to – the water thing is more of a mental thing. And, and it seems to, to, to have worked on you. It's saying like – I'm not focused on when am I going to get my next sip of water. It's like, hey, I've got to get through this, this next rep or with this next exercise or this next drill station. There is no water coming, so focus on what you have in front of you. Exactly. How the how the big men do with no water? Like the first two were kind of shaky, but then they were like us. They're like mm-hmm. the skill is just running. So yeah, they be in shape well actually they are in shape after that oh, shit. shout out to the offensive <laughs> lineman shout out to des watson shout out to the big guys running running those 110s with no water man that's rough yeah Dez has made big improvements man big improvements i've that's been joking awesome. i said they need to have him and Corey collier train trade plates like uh-huh. Dez, go go get what you want for dinner Corey, get what you want for dinner and then you just like you switch plates <laughs> yeah, someone will gain weight, someone will lose weight. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was interesting. We didn't really know like kind of what went into the identity phase, and now um, what do they call this this phase? It's the discrepancy. Yeah. yeah um, and you guys kind of just like, hey, do what you want. And this is your free time because when you come back, it's gearing up for fall camp, and then when fall camp starts, you're in season. All right. Exactly. Hmm. Lorenzo, I do want to ask. Um, obviously, you've been. You know, in college, you know, during a time where we've seen a, a seismic shift in, in name, image, and likeness, and, and you've had the opportunity to um, to make some money off of your name, image, and likeness. What's that experience been like as we approach the one-year mark, you know, with NIL and the opportunities that you've been afforded? And, and kind of what's what's the player's perspective of NIL? There's a lot of outside noise and a lot of outside voices kind of opining on it, but what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, so, like, so basically my thoughts on it was – Okay, I don't know if this is going to be legit or whatnot. I don't know, you know, the foundation behind it. And at first, things were shaky. Companies were shaky. Brands were shaky mm-hmm. because, you know, we didn't know. 
and now things are picking up. And I think I think there's a point where you have to focus on NIL for a certain period, and then there's a time where okay, NIL going to take care of itself. Let's get back to work. Let's you know let's grind. So right now, with this time that I have off, I'm going to incorporate some some focus on NIL. But when things pick back up, you know that's it's going to take care of itself. Like you know I'm not going to focus on you know, streaming or, or podcast or whatnot, because, you know, mm-hmm. I have to grind myself. And there's no big, uh, there's no bigger NIL deal than the season itself. So, you know, mm. yeah. I love that. Um, I do want to ask, you know, I know when, when we've heard Billy Napier talk and you know, we saw him a couple of weeks ago here in Tampa, he mentioned not only just NIL being able to be, you know, offered to you in terms of monetary compensation, but talked a lot about the Gator Maid program and what they're trying to do to prepare you for life you know, whether it be with NIL deals or life after football, uh, what's the Gator Made program uh, kind of meant to you? Or have you been able to, to be the benefactor of, of much of that work that they've done yet with with Marcus and Savannah and, and Billy? Oh, yeah. So so like from what I've seen from them is they they've been trying to embed a lot of things with us. So I uh, so we had a guy from um, from Twitter come. We had a, uh, people from Wells Fargo come, you know, just just in bed on, you know, saving and, and brand marketing and stuff like that. And a couple of our guys had a chance to go to Greece, I would want to say, mm. just to experience, you know, um, I think they're there right now, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they're about to be there. So, you know, a, a couple of guys uh, gone to Greece, experience, you know, how things work on the other side of the country. So, so it's definitely great. That's awesome. What, um, <clears throat> what, what kind of, taxes are they helping you with because i'll tell you i was 1099 for a while um and boy uncle sam's gonna get his gonna, gonna get his hands on some of that mo- that nil money that comes and uh the yeah, first so, time i did my taxes i was like whoo <laughs> yeah so basically they they have a form set up with us already so right. everything that's that's being pushed through nil they track everything and then they pretty much sit out they send out um a form to us and, and we just fill it out because that five thousand dollar check isn't five thousand dollars. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you, you ain't getting your hands on all that. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, Lorenzo, man, it was an absolute pleasure getting to know you. We certainly wish you the best this season. Uh, I know Gator Nation's really rooting for you. You have a hell of a story. Oh wait, we, have, we, didn't ask, uh, we didn't ask Silk's question. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're missing uh, our third co-host this week, mm-hmm. Lorenzo. He's having some internet issues. So Nick, do the uh, do the honors. Silk asks uh, everyone that we get on, every player we get on, who has the best hands on the team. I like I like Henderson. We're not talking about catching oh, football. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about catching footballs. Oh, fight wise. Yeah, he's got <laughs> the best hands on the team. Probably be like big guy Dexter. Mm. Yeah, Dex is swift with it. He he's quick. Um, line linebacker wise, Ventrell. That's not surprising. Uh, running back wise, probably myself. You know, I did a couple. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did some boxing last year. Um, we need a pound for pound. Who's the pound for pound champ in the locker room? If not Brandon Cox, probably. Next two. Yeah, like those, those two, yeah. <laughs> Depends on what day you catch them. Yeah. <laughs> what day you catch these hands. 
Oh, man. Well, Lorenzo, uh, we always give everybody the opportunity to shout out. Uh, I know you're doing a lot on social media, but so tell everybody where they can follow you um, on social media. They can follow me at D1Champ99 Twitter and Lorenzo Lingard for Instagram. That's awesome. Well, Lorenzo, thank you so much, man. It's an absolute pleasure to, uh, to have you on. Wish you the best of luck uh, next season and uh, hopefully have you on again in the future. Oh, yeah. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you guys learned about me and whatnot. So, so what got, so like, what got you guys started into doing this? Oh, man. So, so Stadium again, we've been doing this for almost three years. It was me, uh, Corey, who's the, the other one missing, and then Ahmad Black. Uh, so we thought that there needed to be a, a kind of a different voice in the, uh, in the Gators podcast arena. There was a lot of opportunities for all of us. Uh, and we, we put some, some ideas together and our goal, Lorenzo was always to try to get the best interviews, right? We wanted to get, we wanted to get the players that people maybe had heard of, or maybe had forgotten about. We want to get uh, former coaches. We wanted to get current coaches. We wanted to get administrative folks. You know, we care a lot about content, right? So we, we want to talk about the game. We want to talk about, you know, the, the numbers and breaking down each, you know, each game, whether it be baseball or football or basketball, but we really wanted to get some different voices from people that played the game. Um, so we've been doing this for almost three years. Ahmad was with us for, for about two. And then life, you know, as, as it happens, um, you know, he, he departed. And, and Nick was a guy that we, we had on the show a lot uh, as a guest, as a writer for the other Gators program. And uh, Nick was able to, to slide into that seat. And, and Nick's done a fantastic job. But uh, my backer, man, when I went to UF uh, from 2006 to 2010, I got to work in the football recruiting office for uh, all four of those years, which is a really cool honor. So I've always been you know, really close to the program. And to get the opportunity each and every week to talk about the Gators is, uh, is truly an honor and a blessing. Hmm. Okay. And I went to I went to school for journalism. Um, I'm on the venture. I was on the Ventro Miller plan. It, it took me six years, but I got, but I graduated. <laughs> I got out. Um, when I got into journalism, I thought it was just all like washed up athletes and like that's okay. Well, I, I was a baseball player, played in college, and I was like, oh, it'll probably just be a bunch of former athletes. I got there and kids sitting next to me was like the editor of his his high school newspaper. I'm like, oh, I'm way behind. I need to figure this out. So. Uh, graduated and I got a job right away uh, covering Florida for a company called Gator Country. And um, I, we actually had to beg back in 2013, had to beg them to allow us to podcast because like it wasn't wow. podcasting wasn't big at the time. But I listened to Joe Rogan on, on, on uh, I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast. I was like, listen, this is big. Let us start a podcast. So we started that podcast and we did it for eight years and I moved companies. So I was able to start a new one and and jumped on with these guys. Okay, that sounds good. Well, Lorenzo, again, man, I appreciate your time this evening. I know you got a lot on your plate and a lot to do, but uh, definitely appreciate it. Look forward to having you on again in the future, my friend. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thank you, guys. I appreciate Thanks, it. Appreciate it. Good luck this year, buddy. Thank you. Nick, I think that is the first time and maybe the last time we'll ever get asked why we did this. Man, that was a hell of an interview. Maybe really he started enjoyed. a new wave. Maybe we'll get we'll get questions right away. You had the the stadium. It's like it's, it's, you've done that before. Uh, no, that was that was totally that was straight uh, from the heart. Yeah, straight from the heart. Right. Um, just pulled that one out. Was trying to piece together sentences in my mind as I got there, uh, but ultimately just. You know, it's a passion project, Nick. Right? I mean, mm. I, none of us do this to get rich. None of us do this to. Um, you know, be able to, to shock or change the world or do anything uh, like that. I mean, when when Ahmad, Corey, and I uh, first talked about it, the goal was, you know, honestly to just talk up 
the Florida Gators with other people that cared about the Florida Gators, right? We didn't want to take listenership from other podcasts. We don't want people to, you know, to turn away from, from doing anything else. We just wanted the three of us to chat about the Florida Gators. Right. And, you know, with Ahmad obviously being connected to the team and myself, um, you know, having some connections, we were able to, to build it up. And I don't think anybody thought we'd have the success that we did, uh, you know, right off the bat and to be able to continue to do this for gosh, almost every week for, for three years is, is incredible. And definitely not something that I ever thought we would do, but through the pandemic, through some winning seasons, through some losing seasons, you know, we're back at it, man. So it's being able to talk to guys like Lorenzo that that makes this a really cool journey and a really cool opportunity. So you so you were just Dylon Thompson right there. One That's of the right. Five greatest spitters of all time. That's right. I'm like Twista. Um <laughs> I gotta figure out he's a Twista is definitely not a top five spitter. He is a top five uh speed rapper, but uh but no. I think I got TI as my number one. Um but uh Wheezy maybe number two. I'm sure the internet will love these takes. I'm going to sit on the sideline here, but you yeah, yeah, keep, yeah. keep your, your best rappers of all time coming. Yeah. I got outcast probably three. Uh, that's that's I'll just go at the top three right now. We're a coward. Top three right now. You, you use the one week where Silk doesn't have internet to get these takes off. Right. Maybe little babies in there. Who knows? Maybe he's climbing the charts, you know, yeah. uh, no, maybe no, not there yet. Him. Maybe he will. Um, who else we got? Oh, uh, yeah, a lot of big names. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I mean, my, my rap uh, rap knowledge and rap history, to the most part, stops probably around 2012 because uh, rap got real weird then. Uh, I know it's back, but, uh, but yeah. So, well, Nick, a uh, lot to talk about the NFL draft. want to talk about a bunch of other things in Gator sports. Uh, but before we do that, let's give a shout-out to our friends over at Home Field Apparel. Uh, use promo code Stadium and Gale at checkout if you are looking for the best vintage um, clothing for the University of Florida for about 40 other schools right now. They are dropping a new line um, each week in the next couple of days uh, up until their big new Saturday launch where they got some some big schools. Um, for you, the fan, uh, for maybe not for yourself, uh, but maybe for for a friend, family member, whoever it might be, um, you know, check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code stadium and Gale. Uh, Nick, I know that you're busy with baseball, but I also know that you're paying attention to the NFL draft. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyer Elam goes in the first round. I know that we talked to a lot about him potentially being a first round guy, um, but there were some, some mock drafts that had him in the second round. But he ultimately joins what I think is a perfect opportunity for him in, in Buffalo. But Nick, what were your thoughts on, on Kyer Elam going to the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean, you're gonna get, he's going to get tested. He's going to be the rookie. Uh, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, uh, all last year and leading up to last year, uh, we're thinking, man, whoever starts across from Kyrie Elam is going to get tested. But now, you know, it's uh, you're, you're the you're the rookie. Um, and you got Trey Trey White, I think is his name, uh, on the other side. So yep. you're, you're going to get tested. That's a great situation to be in. Um, he's not going to back down from a challenge like that. He's going to love – Finally, you know, getting getting balls thrown his way. Um, and as much as it pains me and I'm sure you to say mm-hmm. the Bills are the cream of the crop in the yeah, NFL, wagon in, right now, yeah. in the AFC East. Like you're going to you're going to be a division champ. It's not going to be Miami. Certainly not going to be the Jets, who I think had a great draft, too. They did. Um, so other than living in Buffalo and, and dealing with a, a nine month winner, um, you're going to have a great, great opportunity to start from day one, 
um, and and to be on a team that has a, a chance to to make a run at a Super Bowl. Not that I um, think that Kyrie Elam would be the type of guy to get caught up in a in a big city or get caught up by by some of the outside noise of maybe a New Orleans or New York City or a Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. But going to a place like Buffalo, where for about eight months out of the year, all you can really do is be inside and work out and study film, maybe go get some chicken wings, like. That's a place that you can go and, and work towards that second contract. Um, mm. you know, but but Buffalo is stacked. They're a great team. Uh, they've got a good defense. And to be able to be able to to plug into that hole uh, that they were missing a defensive back, um, I think that he's gonna have a huge opportunity for himself. So shout out to Kyrie. I think he landed in the perfect spot. And one of the most impressive things to me, uh, I think Buffalo released the the video. Um in 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 Indy, when they did the uh, combine, Kyir came with his notebook, which looked like it was about an inch and a half thick. Um, and he said, "Hey, this is my notebook. I don't know if you guys want to see it or not, but I take notes on everything: what I did in the game, what we did in the game, what worked, what didn't work. Um, notes on a rep that I lost in the game, even if the ball wasn't thrown that way. What did the receiver do that caused me to lose that rep?" Um, and then the other thing, you know, fighting back tears. And, and I love yeah. seeing those guys get, you know, get those calls, whether it's the first round or the seventh round. I love seeing guys get calls. Um, but through tears, he's shouting at either the GM or the owner of the Bills. Make sure the playbook's on the plane. Yeah. Put the playbook <laughs> on the plane. And uh, and sure enough, you know, the Kyrie Allen tweets that picture later. He's got the Buffalo Bills playbook uh, on the plane. He's already going through cut-ups and, and looking at the defense. So I'm sure Buffalo was excited about the mm-hmm. pick and then thinks, okay, we nailed it. Uh, once the guy who you just picked 23rd overall is telling you like, hey, put the playbook that you're – the plane you're sending to come and get me, put the playbook on the plane even before I get there and do, you know, the the jersey photo shoot and, and, and all that stuff. Like, let me Let me get to work before I even get to Buffalo. That's right. And then I know that he went to a Buffalo Sabres game. That's the hockey team there, Nick. Um, Buffalo Sabres hockey, game. Hockey. <laughs> got, a, uh, got a standing ovation. Um, mm-hmm. So shout out to, to him. Uh, really, uh, really great story. Um, as much as know, we don't like the Bills, that's a a a very loyal and fervent fan base. They, they oh, love yeah, Bills Mafia. They love their players. Well, I, it's more than just jumping through tables, Dan. It's it's not much more, um, <laughs> but uh, no, but they, I mean, they, they got themselves a hell of a player. I'm going to make a note of that cam. Whenever Katie Turner comes on the show uh, that Dan says Buffalo, the Buffalo bills fan base and bills mafia is not much more than jumping through flaming tables. Listen, I'm just it's not making personal. Note. It's not personal. It's not, I'm not attacking bills fans or anything else. Like you have fans, you have loyal fans. I'm a fan of the Dolphins, right? The Dolphins have been about as mediocre of a franchise in my 34 years of life, especially in the 22 years since Dan Marino retired, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're the definition of mediocrity, loyal, very loyal fan base in Miami. We're very different than the Bills Mafia. We're not jumping through tables. That to me is you're loyal, but also you go above and beyond, which is kind of what I said about the Bills. Not much more, but they do jump through tables. So a lot of a lot of alphabet soup there, Dan. A lot but of they, words. They made, at least they made it to the Super Bowl. Like in their lifetime, well, in my lifetime, I've seen the Bills make like four Super Bowls. I've seen yeah. the Dolphins make the playoffs like 
four times in my life and get right? blown like, out as soon as we yeah. make the playoffs we get blown I mean, out. we got blown out by the city of jacksonville geez oh, I mean, talk about talk about a, a dagger you know tough scene salt in the wound right tough especially scene. For, especially for me. oh man please no cursing on the show nick um <laughs> the <laughs> kyer elam joined cj henderson and vernon hargraves as the third gator cornerback to go on the first round in the last seven seasons so certainly we wish him the best of luck and nick like you said he is going to be opposite uh tredavious white who is a two-time pro bowler um Next off the draft board, I don't know if any of us anticipated this being the second guy off. I think a lot of us had talked about this being the third guy, uh, but um, Zachary Carter, defensive end, defensive tackle, will be heading to Cincinnati with pick 95 in round three. Uh, Zach Carter also had a really great video that was shared um, when he was uh, when he got the phone call um, from um, Zach Taylor, the head coach uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals. Really cool um, to see Zach Carter, a guy that uh, super versatile, obviously played a lot of positions at the University of Florida and absolutely has the opportunity um, in Cincinnati to, to probably a, be a really good contributing um, second team guy um, in a number of different positions. But what were your thoughts on, uh, on Zach Carter going to Cincinnati? Again, a great yeah. team to go to. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, now that I've been um... – I think, uh, you know, like Quincy Wilson was the first one um, that Quincy Wilson, Duke Dawson, those guys was the mm-hmm. first one that I knew when they were in high school. And then you watch their whole career play out. And now to see them in the NFL is really cool. Zach is, is another one on that list. Of, I've known him since he was um, in Hillsboro um, yeah. and back in Tampa. And he's just been a great dude. And he's done whatever has been asked of him, um, whether that's playing defensive end, defensive tackle, I think he's played some nose tackle. Yeah, I think he played um, all four positions. He, he's just that just whatever was asked of him to do to help the team, he did. Um, and, and that might hurt you. You know, it might hurt you because you know you don't really get to master one thing. Um, but like we were talking with Lorenzo earlier, it's like, hey, you if you can fill a bunch of roster spots, like Trey Burton has made made it so long in the league because he was the emergency quarterback. He was. Mm-hmm a guy that could play all four special teams. He was a tight end. You could throw him into the slot if you needed to. Um, he filled a bunch of roster spots and, and Zach, Th- Zach Thomas <laughs> and Zach will do that. He will fill a bunch of different spots for them and he can be versatile and play a bunch of spots on the, on the defensive line. Um, I, I definitely see him obviously um, getting picked where he was making the team and, and he can make an impact in Cincinnati for sure. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine. That's probably the biggest Cincinnati Bengals fan in the world. And, and he wow. asked me what my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild, but I'm also a fan of skyline chili, Nick. So if you hold your thoughts, no, on yeah. Him, I, I, I did see Zach Carter's mentions getting blown up by people that were either pro skyline or anti skyline chili. It was a hell of a, there's no, there. there's no gray takes on skyline chili. It's black or white. Right. And people are entrenched. It's right and wrong, really. The, right. the people who don't like it, like myself, we're on the right, right side of history, Correct. and we are dug in. And the people who do like it, I, I just don't know what what their taste buds are telling them. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't either. I've I've had Skyline Chili twice. Um, I had it a second time because they're like get the right thing. So I got the right thing the second time and it was just as bad as the first what time. was the right thing what's the right thing it's kind of uh, well, you know like the seven layer one or whatever i think the first time i only got a couple of layers i don't i don't even tell you remember it was back in 2011 um 
was back when I used to travel for work. I went to one in, in Oxford, Ohio, when I was doing work in the consulting space and higher ed, I was in Oxford, uh, working with the, uh, with Miami university up there. I went to skyline cause it's right on their little main street area. And I just grabbed whatever it was off the menu. Right. It was average at best. Um, and then I went to Cincinnati and I told people, they're like, Oh, you're going to go check out skyline. I said, I really hadn't planned out. They're like, you know, you have to go, you have to get the seven way or whatever it is. And I got that. And, I'm pretty sure I ate about a quarter of it. And I'm like, this just isn't, it's not for me. Uh, it's, it's not for really anybody, to be honest with you. Um, surprise, they're still in business. Surprise, they have a following. Uh, if you disagree with our takes on Skyline Chili, um, that's okay. That's okay. You're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going um, to add you're wrong. Yeah. Um, Damian Pierce goes pick 107 round four uh, to the Houston Texans. Uh, interesting pick there. Um, you know, I certainly huge opportunity there. Yeah. Me. I was just going to say, when you look at the roster, of the Houston Texans, I know they added Marlon Mack, um, mm. but the Texans really don't have a, a ton of, uh, of great running backs or proven running backs, you know, for that role. And I know a lot of people thought that for value, Damian Pierce was one of the best picks uh, in the draft. For sure. I thought that Damian has been one of the, one of our favorite players to talk to. Um, I mean, he's got a, a quote about anything. This is a guy, I think it was his sophomore year. Um, we're in a post game. He had a good game, Florida won. And somehow we started talking about him hunting hogs uh, back up in, in Georgia. And we're like, oh, like, that's weird that he would give kids like guns to go and hunt hogs. It's like, no, we had pocket knives. I'm like, what? You're chasing hogs. At like eight years old, nine years old, with it with a knife, a hog with like a tusk, and like, yeah, we, not, we went out and did that for fun. I'm like that's wild. Okay, that's, that's we nice. are cut from a different cloth. Yeah, we are. We are two different types of people, <laughs> and two um, very different types of people. But Damien's a guy that you know. Um, I'd have to go back and look how many times he carried the ball in high school. But a guy that doesn't have a ton of tread on the tires. You know, that's a something I always talk about with running backs when it comes to the NFL. Doesn't have a ton of of wear. Um, in, in college football, he carried the ball a hundred times last year. Um, but I think what really impressed NFL teams was his week in mobile. And, and I love the senior bowl for what it gives guys mm -hmm. who have played four years. You know, sometimes the guys who come out earlier are the sexy pick and they're the ones that get talked about and considered the best guys. Mm -hmm. The senior bowl really gives players a chance to work out in front of every single NFL team, work very closely with one NFL um, coaching staff because they have two coaching staffs coach the, the North and the South. Um, I think Damien's pass blocking is something that we didn't talk enough about. And he completely got um, transformed his total package game, being able to go and become one of the best pass blockers, I think in the sec. Um, and he was just stoning guys uh, in pass pro um, it, all week in mobile. So I think that's something that the NFL will look for. Obviously the league is going pass first. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think Jabbar Jaluk will tell you, um, Greg Knox told us, every running backs coach I told you said, hey, listen, if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't carry the ball for me. Um, so that's, you know, above and beyond um, what guys have to do. 
Yeah, no, I, I really like Damian Pierce's opportunity there in Houston. And I think that he's the type of guy that's going to, you know, work as hard as he can and and try to outwork the people that might be above him. Uh, but I think of any place that he could have landed with an opportunity to really come in and contribute, even as a fourth rounder, I think that Houston is is the place that you want to be. And, uh, you know, I'm super excited to, to see him, you know, won't be too far from family uh, there in Houston, has a big opportunity, uh, like I said, so we'll be – uh, good to watch and to root on Damian Pierce uh, with the Houston Texans. That ends it. Uh, the Gators end with just three um, draft picks in this year's class. Uh, I think Jeremiah Moon, who we'll talk about here in a second, was probably the only other guy that we anticipated potentially getting drafted. Uh, but three picks. Nick, are you surprised that it was only three, or do you think that that's about right? No, I think um, I think like you said, I think Jeremiah Moon could have been picked. I didn't really anticipate any more than four, though. Um, and in Moon's case, and really anyone's case, when you get down to the seventh round, um, it's probably better that it's probably better that you get to pick your team rather than right. have a team pick you. You uh, you and your agent can look at <clears throat> the roster, um, who they have, what's the scheme, because um, you you might get pulled in to a roster as a seventh round pick and like, Hey, we just took a flyer on you. Right. We've had some injury history, but we're, we're going to see if, if you can, if you can cut it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, a tough way to make a roster as a seventh round pick. It, it's also tough as an undrafted free agent, but you can kind of pick your spot. Um, so Jeremiah moon picks Baltimore. Is that right? Yep. Go ahead into Baltimore. Jeremiah Moon picks Baltimore. Um, Florida had a couple. I'm looking for my story. Yeah, no, that's well. I, I've got him pulled up pull here. That. Okay. Um, you um, know, excited to see Jeremiah Moon. See what he can do. Um, obviously, he had got bit by the injury bug. I think three um, season-ending injuries for Jeremiah Moon. Uh, definitely rooting for him, right? I mean, he's the type of guy that hopefully can fight through. Uh, there is a chance. Um, you know, for, you know, him to make that roster. Uh, the Ravens are, are good and have a, have a, a decent defense, uh, made some big changes, new defensive coordinator, I believe over there this year, um, you know, made some, some off season moves that could open up an opportunity for, for Jeremiah Moon, obviously a guy that also, you know, played special teams during his time at Florida. And maybe that's an opportunity to make the, uh, the roster as well, or maybe even a practice roster, right? There's a lot of, uh, you know, certainly opportunity for Jeremiah Moon. And and like you said, Nick, if you're getting drafted in the seventh round, it's probably best for you to be an undrafted free agent. Now, I know that there's some money differences uh, and things of that nature, but at the end of the day, for him, it might be an opportunity for him to go and find the best uh, roster spot for him. And, you know, I think that that Baltimore is, is certainly a place that's known for their great defenses, and hopefully he gets the chance to to make an impact there. Yeah, and uh... – interesting spot for him um there is no another interesting note there is no limit on what you can pay undrafted free agents mm -hmm. there's no like that's not involved in like there's no salary cap for that um i think i was reading omar kelly and the dolphins signed a couple guys last year um this is during the draft when i was reading this a couple guys last year for a hundred thousand dollars um and that's like a, that's their signing bonus so that's you know guaranteed money stuff mm -hmm. That's not a bad payday, and then you make a roster, and then uh, if you make the roster, then you're uh, you know a minimum guy, which is half a million bucks. That's right. what you sneeze at. Yeah, no, not too bad. No, I would imagine Jeremiah, especially being one of the first names that I saw of, of any player undrafted uh, picking up a, a spot. I'm sure there's some some guaranteed money in there for him. Um, 
but we'll see. And we're going to certainly root him on Nick. I do want to talk about the rest of the undrafted free agents before we do that. Do want to send everybody on their way to gametimesidekicks.com. Use promo code stadium. When you check out, if you're looking for the best vacuum sealed cupware in all of the game, please check out gametimesidekicks.com. Use promo code stadium for 10% off of your order. University of Florida things, about 350 schools, NFLPA, golf, whatever your interest might be, go check out GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use one this weekend when I was at the beach and then used it again at the pool um, yesterday. And uh, ice was still there. Um, Kept the drink cold. Um, Rock solid. You can fling it around. It's going to keep its integrity. It's not going to break. GameTimeSidekicks.com. Promo code STADIUM. Nick, after Jeremiah Moon, we get into some other – uh, signings. We got Tyrone Truesdale to the New York Giants. We have Antonio Valentino to the also to the New York Giants. We have Malik Davis, who we mentioned before, signing with the Dallas Cowboys, and we have Gene Delance heading to the Chicago Bears. So, still a few other names that are out there. Uh, I know Rick Wells' name uh, is still out there, and I feel like I'm forgetting. I don't, I don't know that Rick Stewart is. I don't, I don't know that Rick is intending on playing football. He no showed the pro day. Oh wow! Okay. Um, wasn't that pro day? I don't know. If, I, I, I had I hadn't been able to get Rick on the phone. Um, I don't know what's going on with him, but um, I know he graduated from the University of Florida, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, but yeah, once he wasn't there at pro day and, and talking to some people, Florida was expecting him to be there, mm. um, and, and he he didn't show up, didn't work out. So I, I don't know if, if Rick Wells is pursuing uh, football as a as a career. Okay, well, certainly best of luck to Rick, whatever he uh, does decide to do. Um, but uh, Stuart Reese is still a guy uh, that might be getting his name called. Um, you know, certainly a guy that had a bit of an up and down career. Um, a little bit surprised, to be honest with you. I know that uh, Mississippi State, uh, he was probably a little bit more well, well regarded than his time at Florida. But I thought uh, during his senior year, while you know certainly wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, did think that he made some pretty big improvements from that junior year. Um, and who knows, we still could potentially see him land uh, maybe a tryout spot or a spot as an undrafted free agent. We are only a couple days uh, outside of the draft. But certainly best of luck to everybody that made um, – undrafted free agent list. That's certainly an honor in and of itself. Nick, any final words on the NFL draft before we move on? Uh, love the draft. Would have loved to have been out there in Las Vegas. I don't think my body's ready um, for another Vegas trip. However, mm. um, Nick, we, remember, got... we, we, did, we did have the one podcast where I was mm. uh, doing it from the Centurion lounge with not even <laughs> not half money. a voice, yeah. not even half a voice. Yeah. Nick, I, I'm, I'm, I think I told you, but I'm heading out to Vegas next Wednesday. Um, and I'll be, mm. I'll be in Vegas from Wednesday to Sunday, which in my opinion is at least one, if not a day and a half too long to be in Vegas. Unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for my friends are there for a wedding. Unfortunately, the wedding is on Friday, uh, but there's an event that we have to be at on Thursday. So flights out there on Thursday were a little dicey. So I had to make the decision to go out on Wednesday. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that my body is going to be hurting. My voice will be hurting. Five days in hurting. Vegas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I would say max, judging from my own experience, we did four. I think three yeah. would have been plenty. Yeah, th- I've, I've, I've always said three nights, two days, that's peak Vegas, right? You, you get the opportunity to catch a show. If you want to do the DJ thing, you can do that. Uh, casino hopping, pool party, whatever you might want to do. Three nights, two days is perfect Vegas time. Me being out there for five days is going to be a recipe for near-death experiences. Yeah, I think I flew out. I threw out. I flew out Friday, first flight out. So I landed in Vegas at like nine a.m. Mm. Um, so I had all Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and we flew out on Monday. I had the red eye Monday. So no okay. like drinking or shenanigans Monday, knowing that I had to be on the podcast Monday. Right. Um, but yeah, that was four days, five nights, whatever it was, four days, four nights. That it was it was a, a toll. Yeah. I'm I'm not uh, I am looking forward to it, but I also I am not looking forward to the recovery that's gonna come uh, because a, of that. I think you're a week on the uh, on the IR. Yeah, I mean at 34, um, I think each year past 30 adds at least six more hours on the IR uh, compared to where you normally be or normally would be. So I am totally anticipating a Monday rough showing um, by yours Mm. truly, but uh, we're going to, we're going to do our best. We are going to do our best. Uh, With that being said, the Gators did um, have a preferred walk on uh, from temple. Um, He was a preferred walk on at uh, temple. Um, in 2019, uh, Kenneth and any, he, and he, I have no idea. Yeah. I was, yeah. was going to let you struggle through that. Yeah. That yeah. So Kenneth, Kenneth from, uh, Temple, <laughs> will be do- yeah, our, our, our good pal, Kenny, uh, will be joining, <laughs> Uh, he, uh, if you know him, we call him K dog. He fits into one of those, uh, 50 or so walk-ons that Billy Napier wanted to have as a part of his program. So welcome Kenny to the team. Um, Nick, uh, right now, I think last week we talked a little bit about it. Um, but we, we talked, I guess pretty extensively actually that Florida is above the number of scholarships that they're allowed to have going in to fall right around 90. Billy Napier has said multiple times, I believe at every stop he's been at that he is going to be aggressive in the transfer portal as well. Um, players had until 1159.59 on May 1st to enter the transfer portal and then school are to announce their intentions, pardon me, to the, to their school that they'll be entering the transfer portal. And then the school had up until May 3rd. Well, Listeners will be listening to this on May 3rd. And right now, Nick, we've not heard any word of any player at the University of Florida outside of the ones that have already been announced entering the transfer portal. Does this surprise and shock you? Yeah. Um, So I think Florida went into fall – uh, I should have saved my old, my old one. I think Florida went into fall like, with 93, 94. Um, obviously, Emory Jones transfers. Um, you, you get an injury. Um, but when Billy Napier says, we, we are going to be very aggressive in the transfer portal, 
And I kept saying, like, you're going to see transfers left, right, and center um, from programs like Florida that have a new staff in and mm-hmm. guys that, hey, I tried it out. Uh, it's not for me. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of guys that graduated that could grad transfer. You know, I don't think you need to be in the transfer portal. Like a Jordan Pouncey just graduated. Right. Does he want to go somewhere and play his last year? He's on scholarship. He's part of the 90 that I have on scholarship. Marco Ortiz, I don't think they want Marco Ortiz to go anywhere. Um he just graduated as well. Um, so there's guys, you know, that I thought might not be in in line to, uh, for a bunch of playing time. Uh, I know there's at least two guys that I know of that were going to go into the transfer portal and, and were asked to stay and, and did decide to stay. Hmm. Um, so there's, uh, I mean, you don't. it doesn't matter that Florida's over the 85. You have to get down to 85 before fall camp starts. Um, so... I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we want to pontificate right now <laughs> who those guys are. Uh, probably wait till Silk comes and he can kick guys off the team. Um, but the breakdown I have, I think, is is accurate. So you've got 90 guys. You need to be at 85 before fall camp. So you need to be at 80 in you know in August. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think that I'm – very surprised uh obviously there's grad transfers and you know having that extra year that covid year probably allows for some more graduations than you would historically have you know during this time maybe there's going to be you know a bunch of players that that do decide to transfer obviously florida is going to be in a position where they're going to have to let uh folks go at some point um i am surprised probably that uh you have your entire stable of running backs coming back. I thought that there might be some change there. I thought that there might be some folks at the wide receiver position uh, that are looking for their opportunity to break out somewhere. And maybe they view that opportunity at Florida because it's not as solidified uh, as maybe, you know, some other schools where they would want to transfer to. I'm kind of surprised that you didn't see any turnover or change in the secondary, there's a lot of group, a lot of folks that are grouped together uh, in the, the secondary position, uh, or secondary positions, pardon me, that you thought that maybe one, maybe two uh, might transfer. So I'll, I'll say that I am very surprised, uh, obviously, that this isn't how the season is going to start. But if you're going to say you're very aggressive and Florida is hosting transfers, they just hosted uh, the uh, transfer from Arizona State at wide receiver. I know they're going to be hosting a defensive lineman from Arizona State uh, in the coming weeks as well. So with all of these folks coming on board, you wonder when the folks are going to start to enter the transfer portal because you can't take without giving, right? So uh, I will be curious to see if you know during the summer we start to see some grad transfers. I think you make a great point that if you are a grad transfer, obviously you can transfer without sitting out a year. Um, I think that that's true within SEC schools as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And maybe yep. because of the rules with COVID and giving players an extra year and everything else, that maybe players that you know haven't graduated by the end of spring might be able to pick up enough credits during the summer to then be able to transfer in August. I just thought that I would see maybe at least one – two, three, four yeah. um, names in there, and we saw zero. So was, well, was and, very and surprised. Here, here's one. I, I I asked Florida, and I finally got word back on it. I didn't think that um, Dewan Black would get a COVID year because he wasn't in the NCAA during 2020. He was in community uh, at JUCO, community college. Um, 
Florida's compliance <clears throat> got back to me and Dewan Black. So like, he is a junior this year. Hmm. Um, so he still has two years to play. So someone like that, um, it, it's interesting because it's we haven't really gotten word on last year the seniors on the roster, Rick Wells, Ventro Miller, guys like that did not count against Florida's 85. I haven't gotten word if that's also the case. So a guy like Trey Dean, now you're down to 89. Mm -hmm. um, Ventro Miller, you're down to 88. Um, now Keon Zipper is just a straight senior. A guy like Dante Sanders, um, mm -hmm. now you're down to seven. Like what's, what's going to be the ruling on the super seniors? Right. Um, Avery Reese just graduated. Um, He's been at Florida for a long time. Has had to battle injuries. Dude, that's um, crazy. Has, I can't even believe it's been that long. David Reese just graduated. Just walked the stage. Shout out to David Reese. You got a, a degree from the number five public university in the country. Um, but you know, it, it then the, then I guess you know my numbers here on my scholarship chart could change depending on a ruling or a change in what is the NCAA going to do. Um, about you know the the COVID super seniors in 2022. Yeah, no. I, and do we know when the NCAA uh, is Who going knows? to rule? Yeah. Well, Who knows? And now they're now they're about to be without a chair or a president here in the next year. Um, they're, they'll be without a Power Five in, in a couple of years too. I wouldn't be surprised, Nick. I do want to get your thoughts on some of the NIL stuff that, that's kind of percolated up in the last couple of days. Uh, you know, with certainly the NCAA being the, at the center of inaction. But I do wonder if that's something that the players are going to look at and wait for as well, right? That unless they were exceptionally unhappy now, maybe the NCAA allows them either a free opportunity to transfer um, because of, you know, whatever ruling they have, or, Hey, maybe I don't want to leave. Maybe because Billy Napier and the staff is new, there is mm -hmm. still an opportunity for me uh, here at the university of Florida. I'm going to stick around, right? Because, you know, we've talked about it and, and I was looking for, and I couldn't find it, but you know, the, the percentage of players that have entered the transfer portal and the percentage of players that have landed at a new school is, is not a 100% uh, you know, connection. There's, I think it was 60 or 65% of the players that, um, that put their name in the transfer portal ended up somewhere else and picked up, which is certainly a high number, but that does leave a large percentage of students that either didn't get picked up or are no longer on an active college football roster. Um, so certainly you, you're taking a calculated risk. And if you have that many people entering, you know, certainly um, depending on, you know, what the, the number at your position is, the opportunities may be limited as well. Um, so we will certainly be on the lookout for the NCAA's ruling, which I would not imagine is going to be at a, at a time that really benefits schools or, players um nick i kind of want to get your thoughts so i saw this uh topic come up on twitter the other day about uh about the transfer portal and about how this might affect junior college players and you know now you know junior college players used to be you know kind of your stop gaps and you know maybe if we're, we're missing a running back or missing a tight end or maybe an offensive tackle will go uh dan mullen obviously was was big on on recruiting juco players kansas state has historically done that you know a lot of schools have certainly relied on the uh, junior college ranks do you feel like those students are the ones that are probably getting hurt the most out of this transfer portal um it's really definitely it. i hadn't really thought of it but it's definitely really it's definitely really changed the game completely because and i'm for the transfer portal i thought it was crazy that coaches could jump around and and move from school to school no no penalty to them um or even get fired 
and and not not only not a penalty to them, but nice big paychecks, uh, nice big you know severance checks uh, mm-hmm. to them when they get fired, and then players are just stuck. Um, so I'm for the transfer portal um, and allowing players to leave and not stay out of year, but I think it's definitely changing um, recruiting. Um, look at what Michigan State has done with Mel Tucker. Um, they won they won the Big Ten last year, I think, with like 20 guys from the portal. Right. Um, and it's a way, I think, for new coaches to kind of come in, and and that is your stopgap that used to be the junior college ranks. And it's hey, we can get a guy that some guys were tra- hitting the transfer after one year, and hey, we've got three years of eligibility. You got grad transfers now, where you can have hey, that's a stopgap. It's one year. You're going to come in. You can start for us right away. Um, we've got a, a sophomore who's just not ready to play yet at your position, so we're going to start the grad transfer, put him in. I think it's definitely changing. Um, the way that schools look at junior colleges, there's always going to be programs um, that will use junior college. You know, Dan Mullen and his staff use junior college extensively mm-hmm. at Mississippi State. Um, there's going to be programs like that. You know, schools like Mississippi State aren't going to be able to compete with the other teams in the transfer in the transfer portal or for high school kids the way that in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Texas A&M. Uh, Tennessee can. So there's always going to be an avenue for junior college players, but it's definitely mm-hmm. the transfer portal and grad transfers have definitely changed how some teams view junior college players. Yeah, no, like I said, I hadn't really thought of it until somebody mentioned it. Um, and I wish I had the article that I could find, but, but it basically talked about the number of, of junior college players um, being recruited has drastically dropped with, uh, you know, with the transfer portal. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the top of the top still won't get drafted and still get opportunities. You know, obviously, you know, a guy like Dewan Black, um, you know, came to the University of Florida, you know, with the transfer portal someplace, obviously he was still connected to the University of Florida, you know, as a commit, but still, um, you know, the top guys still will, but maybe your, your fringe, you know, good to great players that might have gone to a, you know, a, a school like a Purdue or a Western Kentucky or, you know, a school, you know, that, that's maybe a little bit lower level. Um, maybe they don't have those opportunities because maybe you can go grab that guy from, from North Carolina, you know, that that's in the portal that maybe didn't get the opportunity to shine, uh, you know, at North Carolina and maybe, you know, goes to Western Kentucky and takes that spot from a, from a junior college player. Um, so we'll be interesting to, to certainly watch, but you, you start to think of some of the, the unintended consequences or um, some of the externalities um, here. Nick, do want to uh, give a quick shout out before we move on to our friends over at Alumni Hall. Go visit them, alumnihall.com. Use promo code, I believe it's SG20. It's going to scroll across the screen here. SG20 for 20% off now until June 15th. If you are looking for Nike, if you're looking for replica jerseys, if you're looking for apparel for the University of Florida or about 12 other schools, Go visit alumnihall.com. Go visit them in Gainesville. They're right on Archer Road. Use promo code SG20 for 20% off of your order. Hurts me to say this, Dan. Uh, yeah. Right by Alumni Hall, there used to be a Lululemon. It was a pop-up there shop. Wa- is it no longer there? No longer there. Uh, oh, man. Left, left in January. Uh, it was tough to see. I think you have to come visit Tampa now. We've got a, we've got a couple of Lululemons. Jacksonville's closer. And Orlando yeah, is closer. Okay. <clears throat> and Orlando is closer, and they have the Lululemon outlet, which yeah. is essentially a store of we made too much, which on a writer's salary is where we shop for the Lululemon. Nick, a quick aside: Did you see that Lululemon is doing buybacks now? No. 
Yeah, so Lululemon is now buying your gently used. I think it's gently used. Um, Lululemon apparel uh, for shorts. They will pay you five dollars. Oh, they will what? then. They will then. Sh- they got five dollars in store credit, not a five dollar bill, just five dollars in store credit. Nick, they will then send them off to be laundered, probably deodorized, um, and then prepared for resale. Nick, guess how much money Lululemon will sell those shorts for? 50, 40 bucks. You were correct the first time. <laughs> Nick, no, they, okay. they, they will be selling leggings, which I think could go, are they the ABC pants, which go for, I believe, bucks. 120 bucks. They will be reselling those for $75. And I believe they will pay you 10 or maybe it's 15. I have to get the, the numbers right there. So internet, don't get too mad, but they'll give you 10 or $15 and they get the opportunity to resell those same pair of pants that you've already spent $120 on for another $60 um, on top of their cost. Well, so, I, I, buy, I will buy $75 used ABC pants. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see anything wrong with buying ABC pants. I think when you get into leggings, um, when you get into some of the the shorts with the liner and stuff like that, I may just opt to spend the extra money um, or maybe go with a different brand um, if, if that's my price cap. But uh, but the ABC pants definitely worth seventy five bucks. In my opinion, worth one hundred and twenty bucks. But yeah. Uh- I put a uh, shout out to local attorney and friend, Kyle Bagan, uh, Bagan and Bagan attorneys. Um, I put him on to Lululemon. Which one is he? Is he the first son. Bagan or the second? Okay, so second. Son. Second okay. Bagan. Um, put him on to Lululemon, and that is now everyday work attire. <clears throat> ABC pants uh, in, in the courtroom, I even think. Oh, when, wow. When cases go to trial. ABC pants in the, in the courtroom. Wow. Times, times they are think- a change in Nick. I don't think they sell them anymore, but for a time, Lululemon came out with full suits. They didn't look very tailored. Uh, we were thinking about them for one of the weddings I was in uh, mm. back in February, uh, but they kind of looked boxy. Uh, but a Lululemon suit is very intriguing. Nick, I do want to give a shout out to my friend um, over in Hong Kong. His name's Andy. Uh, I was uh, ordered three jackets from him a few weeks ago, got the DHL package uh, delivered. So excited to show those to you. Uh, But Nick, my advice, no matter how expensive the suit is, is to always make sure that it's tailored. That's the advice that I give to everybody. Nick, I know that you as a well-dressed man, obviously know that, but that is my advice. No matter how expensive your suit is or how cheap your suit is, if you get it tailored and tailor well, it can look like a great suit on you. So always tailor your suits. Don't just not, not a sponsor. Um, but the, uh, actually I'm not going to name, name the name. Uh, the suits that we had for that wedding in February, um, they only have a couple locations, but those guys were able to go in. Um, it's a $500 suit, two piece, but not bad for, for suit. Um, completely tailored. And it's like a stretchy, Mm. stretchy material, uh, was very good. Mine wasn't, uh, they didn't have a store close to me. I wasn't going to drive down to Miami to the closest store to me. So, uh, told them my sizes, tried everything on, got on a Skype call with a representative from the company. Um, told them things I wanted to have fixed, took a uh, tape measure out and did some measurements, Mm. sent it back. They sent it to me. Great, great process. Great company, uh, which will remain unnamed until they write a check. 
Yeah, just let me just let me know in the chat what it is. Uh, there's a lot of great people out there doing great things. Um, if you want Hong Kong Andy's uh, email, just like a bunch of people have already hit me up. I think we're at probably 12 or 13 from all over the country. Um, feel free to reach out on Twitter. Nick, we're nearing the end of our show. I do want to give uh, a quick update. I do want to shout out Corey Bender for putting this together. Sorry for stealing your content, but the Gators coaching staff is on the trail this week. Uh, Patrick Tony is taking the state of Alabama by storm, uh, visiting um, not just Alabama. This is all over, but Tony Mitchell, Peter Woods, uh, Kelby Collins, all top 100 guys, uh, Hunter Osborne, A.J. Harris, Tamarian Parker, Kedrick Falk, um, all between yesterday and today. Rob Sale visited top 100 quarterback Eli Holstein. Uh, Kerry Colbert uh, visited, visited A.J. Hoffler uh, and on 300 uh, defensive end. Darnell Stapleton will be in the greater Tampa Bay area this weekend visiting Lucas Simmons, who was on campus this past weekend, and also uh, visiting uh, Vishon Lang. Uh, and then William Piegler will be out visiting Bryce Thornton. Cedric Baxter will get a visit and Xavion Hardy. Uh, the Gators do sit with, I believe, two commitments right now in the class of 2023. Do expect a lot of announcements to be coming in the next few months as well but certainly the Gators coaching staff is out there and they are battling for some of the best players in the country. Nick, before we get a manscaped ad read, any final thoughts on the Florida Gators athletic department? Um, yeah, you, yeah, you, uh, another coach fire. Oh, yes. Um, mm. uh, coach Amato, the women's soccer coach. Um, you're hearing some, Great reporting by Peyton Titus. Um, support women in sports, support women journalists, um, and support student journalists. Um, she is both. <laughs> um, so she did a great job reporting about uh, the, what was going on inside the women's soccer program. Obviously, difficult to um, replace Becky Burley. I think mm -hmm. it's difficult. I even think it's difficult for um, a man to coach women's sports. Um, I had a... A boss one time tell me, I think I was 24 at the time, um, hey, tell your intern she can't wear that at practice. And I was like, that's a you conversation. That's mm. not a me 24-year-old man telling a 20, 21-year-old student what she can and can't wear. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's it's difficult. It, it, I'm looking at men and women's sports and some of the stuff that coaches would tell me when I was growing up, that just doesn't fly anymore. You can't You can't do that. Um, at a school like Florida where you have a nutritionist um, and the nutritionist tells an athlete, you can eat this. This is good. And then the coach looks at you and says, hey, you're fat. You can't eat that. Why are you eating that? It's like, well, the, the person that the school is paying to tell me what is good and not good for my body at, at what I'm burning at practice said to eat this. So um, I, I think especially now when you're looking at um, the catcher, I think it was at James Madison um, recently. Um, committing suicide and, and the, the where we're looking at and how, how mental health is kind of at the forefront um, of things. Some of the stuff that, that coach Amato was telling these girls um, I, I think is unacceptable. Um, and it, it's good. Maybe Scott Strickland is learning from the Cam Newbauer situation to not let this go longer than one year. Mm -hmm. um, and you were looking at record numbers, uh, alarming numbers of girls, um, women transferring out of that program. 
Um, so clearly something was amiss, something was off. Um, mm-hmm. So good to be ahead of it and, and, and change coaches before anything serious or, 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 or terrible happens. Yeah, um, it but it's the fourth coach you fired in a year. Uh, I think three of which you hired. Right. Yeah. Can, the fourth that you've hired. You hired. I think, it's the, I think it's the fourth. Newbauer, White, or I guess White. You didn't fire White. No. Okay. You're you're right. But still, um, Mullen, Amato, um, not not Newbauer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going off your your list there. So, um, not not ideal, right? Um, no. And these are things that as a, as a boss and as a leader of an organization, you need to be ahead of during the interview process. Right. And, and it becomes a pattern of concern when it continues to happen. You know, you certainly, you can't control what coaches do, but you can control um, to make sure that you're not bringing in coaches that, that have that reputation. And I know that uh, coach Amato, um, had some baggage dating back to his time. Was it at Arizona, Arizona State? Arizona. Arizona. Um, I know he had some baggage there. Um, but it starts to look – the eyes stop staring at coaches like Cam Newbauer and, and Coach Amato, and they start to look to the leader that hired them, mm-hmm. right? And, and that, that, is a, that is a lot of pressure. And these are things that as a leader of an organization that leads young, you know, young adults, men and women that you need to be ahead of and you need to make sure that these incidences don't happen. And it's unfortunately becoming a recurring theme of not only mistreatment of players, um, but of also, you know, some backsliding in, in performance at the University of Florida. Now, I'm not calling for Scott Strickland to be fired, uh, but certainly I am very cautious about these next few hires. It does seem like Kelly Ray Finley, uh, who's taking over the women's basketball program, has a lot of support from those players. And mm-hmm. certainly you want to see, um, you know, the, the women's soccer team get a new coach that um, is re- respectful of them as, as players, uh, but as people more importantly. Um, but there's a lot of eyeballs at Scott Strickland right now. There's a lot of things that didn't happen uh, under the, the previous, you know, regime uh, that are really starting to bubble up. And, and to me, there's a lot of cause for concern right now. Unfortunately. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I said it back in, in, you know, in November uh, or December when, or in November when Dan was uh, fired and, and they were moving on. Um, and I don't think it changes. Billy Napier or yep. excuse me, Scott Strickland is, tied his his the rest of his <clears throat> tenure at florida is tied to billy napier if billy yep. napier works out um i think scott strickland will be fine if billy napier is is does not work out the next athletic director will hire the next football coach so, so nick my, my thoughts are on that is if billy napier is now working out right away you know maybe it's two of a five-year six-year contract that he's on if it's not working out in year two, you're probably not going to fire him again, right? No. Um, but do you then have a situation where, and I, and we're just kind of opining here, right? But if Billy Napier is not what Florida fans think he can be and what Scott Strickland has said you know, he will be, do you see a situation where even if Napier's not let go, that 
you make a change at the head athletic seat or, you know, if Todd Golden isn't working out. I don't think so, but I think it will get interesting because you're going to have a new president. Right. Um, And how, how much will that new president want to be involved in athletics and how much do they value athletics? And I think year two is, is too soon to, to make a judgment call on either uh, Todd Golden or Billy Napier. Um, I but, also don't think Billy Napier's offense is going to be super exciting for Gator fans that got, you know, that were really excited when Kyle Trask was throwing the ball 50 times a game. Like that's not going to be what Ford mm-hmm. does. Um, so uh, I, I think it'll be interesting. Winning fixes everything. You, you could have, you know, listen, Virginia runs one of the most boring basketball offenses or one of the most boring basketball programs because of their zone defense and, and their pace of play, but they win and, and and their fans are happy to be the most boring while they're winning. So winning fixes everything. I don't think Scott Strickland will be fired in year, you know, if, if stuff isn't going well in basketball and football in year two, I think if you get into the end of year three, year four, that's to me when, uh, you know, decisions are being made at Florida based on football coaches. Sure. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Certainly there's a, a new head coaching search. Uh, it seems to be head coaching search season over the yeah. last few months in Gainesville. Um, if they're using a, uh, a recruiting firm, that firm is certainly going to be celebrating uh, potentially in Cabo, maybe this weekend with uh, with Dan Mullen and his family and friends who seem to be on a never-ending vacation nick i think that takes happy belated birthday to dan mullen i saw Uh, it 50th right big 5-0 big 5-0 big have a uh, happy birthday and if you're in cabo it's probably humid hopefully you got a manscape package use code 20 sg dan yeah no i mean that that's right you you hit you hit the nail on the head nick um I, I do want to say for the listeners that are still listening um nick did you get your ultra um shave kit this weekend i did not or, oh maybe oh, it's in the mailbox I didn't you check will the mailbox. be you will be getting it um but it is the ultra smooth um package uh that you'll be getting uh it comes with a crop exfoliator which is a gentle scrub a crop gel uh which is a clear lubricating shave gel not a styling gel but a shave gel uh the crop shaver and six replacement blades and a travel case. Nick, I actually own two of them that have been given to me by Manscaped. And you know what I want to do? I want to give both of them away. Give away. So we're going to give away two of those to listeners. All you have to do is reach out to me on Twitter at DK Thompson or reach out to the Stadium and Gal account and say, hey, I'll take it. It will be completely free. I'll just need your address. First two people that do that will get that sent to them uh, this week. So if you are looking for an ultra smooth package, don't need any more details. Just need you to hit my DMs with your address and I will get those in the mail for you. Nick, a good show, man. It was great chatting with you. Great hanging out. Um, do you have song of the week or is it my song of the week? I was last week. I can definitely go again. I put, I put blast on last week. You did. You did put B L X S B L X S T. Yeah. So uh, Nick, I want to give a, a, a quick spin 
Uh, the new Whiskey Myers song. Big Whiskey Myers fan. I'm actually going to see them again in August with our good friend Paul Sammons, friend of the show. Uh, but they have a new song called Whole World Gone Crazy by Whiskey Myers, Country Rock. This one is a little bit different. I think everybody will like it. So Whiskey Myers, Whole World Gone Crazy. Nick, I will see you at the same corner and same time next week. Shout out to Xfinity. Uh, Silk will be back next week. Yeah. Missed, missed our guy this week. Missed our guy. But back and better than ever next week. We'll see you, boys. News running wild on the TV screen. Repeating shit that I've already seen. People pointing fingers, taking no kind of blame. But when it rains, it pours. Ain't you doing the same? Oh, shit, it reciprocates. Tell me that ain't the truth in this case.